Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss a current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay tuned with us till the end. I wanted to share with you all, I traveled all day yesterday. I'm absolutely ragged today. Um, And I made a little boo-boo in the Houston airport when I got there and had to go through customs to get back into the U.S., the mobile passport line had the little, you know, the little ribbon across it where you can't pass. Mm -hmm. So I just assumed the line was closed. So I waited in a very long, like Disney ride type of a line to get to the front only to see where the mobile passport line was and there were people in it. And basically what I should have done was ask someone and they would have opened that little ribbon for me and I would have been through customs like a thousand times faster, literally. I mean, there was a lot of people in line. So my tip for the day is if you have mobile passport and doesn't look like the line is open, ask someone for help because you may be able to avoid a long wait. And I don't (laughs) understand why all of these people aren't using mobile passport. Like it's free. It's free. I actually do have the paid version. You can pay, mm-hmm. I want to say like $14.99 a year. It just yeah, stores all your that. information. Yeah. Yeah. So it's literally like three clicks and I'm done as opposed mm-hmm. to having to take the picture every time, whatever. So for right, 15 bucks right. a year, I'm in. But I guess the word just isn't out because there was no, there was like five people in that whole line. And I'm not kidding. There was probably a thousand people in the regular line. Yeah. You have way more patience than I do. If I saw the line, I'd be like, uh, excuse me. I am not waiting in this line because I have global entry. I, well, I'm just like, um, if there was a ribbon across across global entry, I'd be like, excuse me, uh, I need some help here. But that's different. I feel like if I had global entry, that's a process and a you know a pretty big fee. Like then I would feel, mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word entitled, but to ask someone. But for something like mobile passport, I kind of feel like that's probably an optional thing they offer when they can. Got it. And I also saw there was no kiosks. So I was like, oh, well, that step isn't even here. So anyway, it was stupid of me. And I will never make that mistake again. I'll be polite (laughs) about it. And if they tell me no, they tell me no. But I'm asking for sure next time. Yeah, I'm headed to Aruba with my sister on Sunday. And I feel like I should just gift her the mobile passport. So Catherine, if you're listening, I'm going to be gifting you an annual (laughs) mobile passport for this year. (laughs) It's excellent, except for when you open it up and you see the haggard picture of yourself from an airplane after you've been (laughs) traveling for hours. But... Uh, and I had an interesting conversation with the customs guy. He really d- could not understand why we would want to stay in Mexico for so long and let us know that the U.S. is happy to have us back any time. Hmm. So. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would I should have just said. Have you heard the term digital nomad? You know, <laughs> we're just experiencing some other things. It's not we're not giving the middle finger to America. We're just. Yeah taking advantage of the fact that we can experience some different things. Gracias. (laughs) Oh gosh. I have to tell you that as I was walking up, so I'm so used to, you know, speaking English at home and when I'm working, Mm -hmm. but anytime I'm in public, I am now conditioned to 
to speak Spanish. Yes. And as I was walking up to the guy in my head, I was saying, don't say hola, don't say hola, <laughs> don't say hola. <laughs> but I'm 100% positive that at some point here in the US, I'm going to say gracias to someone because I'm just so used to constantly saying it to well, service you professionals. you are in Florida right now. Mm-hmm. Like you're in Florida right now and headed to the DR mm-hmm. for the TPI Top Producers re- Retreat. So exactly. if you do go out and say anything in Spanish to people, you'll fit right in. In DR, I'll be great. Uh, I've noticed that even a lot of the hotel personnel don't have a good grasp on English, which is fine by me. Um, but here, I feel like I'm going to go to a restaurant and I'm going to say gracias to a waiter or a waitress. <laughs> and one of my friends is going to roll their eyes really hard at me. <laughs> But it will truly be an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we jump into our discussion this week, we wanted to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business. Absolutely. So we've had some, you know, I feel like every week the news is getting more and more positive. There's more and more glimmers of hope. Um. And we've talked a lot about how great it will be when we have a lot of standardized procedures so that everyone knows what to do and what to expect. And there's an article in Travel Agent Central called Los Angeles Launches Initiative to Have All Hotels Share Care Verified, which I guess is what they are calling their sort of standard process. Yeah. And having a standard process like that gives... A, I don't know. I feel like we as humans like things to be routine and also like things to be familiar. Reliable. So if you know like different hotels follow the same, they call it health security verification and protocols, then it's easier for them to decide whether or not this is something or like if this hotel is a place where they want to stay. And um, I, I recently started working with a couple of clients for their honeymoon and they are the most COVID conscious clients I have had since COVID happened. They haven't eaten in a restaurant in over a year and the, it was a honeymoon couple. So the groom was very, very adamant about making sure that whatever they do, they know what the COVID protocols are, whether it's the tour company, the transfers, the hotels, whatever it is, he wants to know all the details. And, you know, it's very helpful for them to let me know that up front. So I'm able to best provide them um, details and information to their comfort level. But having something like this, the share care verified, it helps us as travel advisors better advise our clients if we do have COVID conscious clients like that. Yeah. And I feel and if it were me, I would feel more comfortable with that client than the one that's like, we're not getting vaccinated and more like less cautious only for I'm, I'm talking about from a liability stance. It will make me nervous because then if something does happen, they could come back on you. So Mm -hmm. I like the idea of having people who want to be very informed so that everybody's on the same page and everybody knows what to expect. Um, So the LA tourism convention board 
announced this initiative. It's powered by digital health company ShareCare and the Forbes Travel Guide. And it verifies the health security of all hotels with 50 or more rooms in the city of Los Angeles. I'm sure we're going to see similar initiatives in other cities. Mm -hmm. I'd like to just see one worldwide, but um, they're making the health security verification a universal standard across this category of hotels. And they've set the goal of becoming the first share care verified destination in the U.S. So I, I see this as positive news. The more progress we see with cities creating these standards, that's just going to grow and grow. Everyone's comfort level is going to grow and grow. It's all going to snowball into more profit for us. <laughs> Absolutely. And I just want to cut in here and talk about like the different news stories we're seeing coming out now. Cheryl Rosen, she's one of the authors for TRO, mm-hmm. um, which is the parent company for Travel Market Media. Uh, she always posts news stories on her Facebook groups. And the one she posted, I think it was yesterday, talked about all the cancellations in Miami. Because mm-hmm. um, of spring break and across the shenanigans. Florida. No, no, no. Because of the storm system. Oh. They canceled a ton of flights and it was across Florida in general because we had a really severe storm system come by over the weekend. So flights were canceled, delayed. People were not able to get rental cars. People were not able to get hotel rooms. And part of me, yeah, it sucks that things were canceled and had to be rescheduled. But another part of me was like, oh my God. Trips are being canceled for normal reasons, like severe <laughs> storms and not COVID. That's a good point. That's a, that's I mean, a was, silver lining. Yeah. And I'm like, the first thought was like, oh my God, travel insurance could take care of this. And I'm like, oh my God, travel insurance can take care of this. Yes. <laughs> so things are looking like they're coming back to normal slowly, but surely. Yes, I love that so much. Um, and I love finding the the bright side of a situation like that. I mean, that's what we've had to do for the past year. So I feel like we're pretty good at it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's another article we wanted to discuss um, from afar. Um, and it's titled, Can Venice Prevent an Overtourism Replay Post-Pandemic? And overtourism was big issue for a lot of destinations pre-COVID. Not just mm. Venice, but places like Machu Picchu. Amsterdam. Um, Amsterdam. And for a place like Venice, they are experiencing actual physical effects from over-tourism. Like the city was sinking, the air was dirty, it was overcrowded. So one of the things we touched on early on during the pandemic is how this slowdown gave us an opportunity to look back at what we've been doing and figure out ways to do it better so that post COVID when we can travel again, we do things better. So this article um, talks about how the city of Venice, in order to prevent the level over tourism they experienced before, they're banning large cruise ships and they're also regulating Airbnb rentals. Yep. Uh, I was thinking when you were saying that major clean slate situation there, which I'm Mm -hmm. sure they would rather have not had it quite that clean, (laughs) but (laughs) in the end, hopefully it will work out better. So they're basically diverting ships larger than 40,000 tons to an industrial port. That's about eight miles from the center of Venice. And I'm sure they'll have plenty of transportation options. So while maybe not ideal, it's ideal for their future. If we want to continue to go there. 
Mm -hmm. And for the people who actually live there, for other tourists who don't come on cruise ships, it's going to be a much more pleasant experience for them not having to deal with a huge ship coming through the canal or, um, you know, breathing in those fumes because cruise ship fumes are a real thing. So if it's idling in port, it's still it's still on and polluting the air. So this is a great step for them. But one of my favorite things in this article is how they're regulating Airbnb rentals. Mm-hmm. And this is a common issue among a lot of popular cities around the world, but mostly in Europe. Because of the vacation rental situation from Airbnb, local people are being priced out of the city and they can't afford to live there anymore because the landlords and the Airbnb hosts are making more money renting to tourists than if they were to have regular local renters. So we're seeing a lot of displacement in larger European cities. And I don't know about your clients, but oftentimes when I tell my clients that, and I know they're very socially conscious in this way, they're like, oh my God, I had no idea that this was an actual issue in cities around the world. And once they know that, they rethink going with Airbnb. Well, for me, it usually goes one way or the other. And and just to clarify, the problem that's happening is that these high-priced rentals are driving up property values to a point where locals can no longer afford to live in their own cities. I see tourism as a give and take. And it is very bothersome to me when I see people acting in a way that says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to take what I want and I don't really care about how that affects your community. I'm, I'm the tourist. I'm coming in. I'm going to do what I want. And that's it. Uh, I have had experiences where I explain, cause there's other places like Paris is a great example of mm-hmm. this, um, where I will just inform the client and they are either, Oh, I didn't know that. Or they're like, not my problem. I need, you know, I, I, th- I see a valid concern where people, it's families and they're like, I need a place with a kitchen. I you know, but I try to explain that there are a lot of apartment style hotels that can accommodate you. Sometimes there's sort of a, a defensive response to that. Mm-hmm. And then that's up to me whether I want to continue working with that client. Obviously this is our lifeblood and we need to try to educate our clients about that balanced give and take that tourism needs to be in order for it to be sustainable. So, you know, while I know sometimes we hate to see a, like a legislative approach to it, sometimes that's just what has to happen in order to protect the citizens. And it's not fair for people not to be able to live in where their generations of their families have lived just because we have this, I mean, I'm all for progress. Let me be clear about that. But there's a line where it just, it gets mm-hmm. a little, little too crazy. And I, and I hate to see communities suffer because of, I don't know how to define it. I'm going dead, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. I mean, also Airbnb has branched out into offering what they call experiences. Mm-hmm. And if you go on there, 
you know, anyone can set up an account and say, I can, you know, book me to give you a private tour of Venice or book, I, I can go online and be like, book me and I can give you like a brewery tour of Tampa Bay or something like that. Right. So part of these regulations is they're trying to take aim at unofficial tour guides and products such as Airbnb experiences and saying that only certified travel agents and tour operators are authorized to sell these types of services. Which protects the consumer as well. And it can Mm -hmm. damage the reputation of the destination. If there's like a bunch of flim flam artists out there doing whatever, it can really hurt. Just like we've seen many times in the Caribbean, like one bad story and all of a sudden nobody wants to go there. Somebody gets robbed or taken advantage Mm -hmm. of. So that is just a protective measure. And I want to be clear, there is a place for vacation rentals, Airbnb, Mm -hmm. Verbo, whatever. And I use them myself. But if we can educate our clients on which destinations are actually being harmed by things like this, like where I live in Mexico, Uber is great. It's a secure, transparent option for transportation. Mm -hmm. And we're not a huge tourist destination, but you're not going to find Uber in Cancun because there, there's such a huge transportation industry there that it was harming and the government stepped in. But there right. are some places where the government hasn't stepped in. But if we know better, Washington, D.C., it costs the same to walk out of the airport and sit right into a taxi immediately. Maybe mm-hmm. it's 50 cents more yeah. to wait yeah. and find the Uber, you know, whatever. So, But these are places right. where we can help educate our clients, basically, is what I'm getting Yeah. At. Um, The government official that is quoted in this article, he kind of ends by saying, you know, their their propositions are nice. Everything they want to do from all these beginning cruise ships and regulating rentals and stuff like that. But he emphasizes that collaboration between private companies and um, the government and the tourism industry is crucial in order to make something like this happen. And he, he says, this is the moment to increase the quality. This is the opportunity that the pandemic has given us. Yeah. And it's probably not, it better not come again. <laughs> and this is the same thing I keep telling advisors who want to change their business model. Like it's now or never. This is the time that you have to make those changes and it will make sense to your clients why these changes are happening. You got to seize that opportunity. Right. The last article we have today certainly resonates with me. And I dropped it in the list and Teresa was like, I was just going to go in and add that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's an article by Travel Age West called How Digital Nomads Are Changing the Travel Industry. Last night I was watching TikTok and a TikTok came up that talked about how Ireland is looking for digital nomads to move into their countryside. (sighs) And they're in the process of setting up like internet towers for faster internet. And they're looking at what the needs are for digital nomads to make that a viable option for them. And they're looking for people who want the quiet life. You know, there's really, I don't know if you've been to Ireland before, but you know, you have your cities like Dublin and Cork and whatnot. But then like in between, it's just a lot of like rural farmland. So beautiful. But they're trying to combat 
people from the country moving into the city because things are, you know, emptying out of their beautiful countryside because there's really not much for a lot of folks there Mm -hmm. if they're not really going to farm. So digital nomads would be perfect to step in and I am volunteering. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I've talked about this before and the reason that we moved to Mexico was because we could, because we don't have children. Tracy was pretty burnt out from teaching. Um, you know, she taught at a school specifically for children who have disabilities and that can, after a few years, it's just a little more wearing. Anyway, we did it because we could, that's it. There was no political motivation. There was no uh, bad opinions about anything at all. It was like, we have this opportunity to work from anywhere, as long as there's a good Wi-Fi connection. And it's funny because we went to Holbox a couple weeks ago and Tracy was looking at how could we live there because it was just such a relaxing atmosphere. And I'm like, nope, the Wi-Fi isn't good. So that's literally the, and at this point, because we've done it now, I feel like the gates are wide open. Now that I've experienced mm-hmm. doing something like that, we could go anywhere. As long as there's good Wi-Fi, we can figure it out. And that's a pretty freeing feeling. And I hope that lots of travel advisors are considering even just temporarily, even if it's one month or something like that, just to see how it feels to really settle into a different community. Um, One of the benefits that I have found from this is we've had to rely on the kindness of strangers. We've had no other choice. We've had to have a lot of trust and reliance upon strangers And of course, it's been wonderful. And that is something that's an experience that's irreplaceable. But I feel like it would be interesting to try different places and see the differences in the cultures. I mean, it's just like the sky's the limit at this point. And I realize not everyone can have that freedom. But even if you could do it just for long enough to see, to feel like you're living there, like I said, even a month, so, so worth it. And then you kind of have to go with Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this article, it mentions a lot of different hotels and resorts taking digital nomads into consideration. I mean, we see whole countries doing programs. Like I know Madeira had a program and obviously Ireland had a program, but I know of other, I can't think of other countries, but I know there are other countries who are doing this just so people can go into the communities and inject money into their economy. Yep. But this article mentions a bunch of hotels and resorts that are also offering workcation slash digital nomad yep. pricing. So you don't necessarily have to go with Airbnb sometimes, depending on the destination. You're right. But You're right. you know, it's something where there are options for people. Yeah, and a take. lot of co-working spaces too. Exactly. Um, some of the ones that are mentioned, Mandarin Orientals, new working from MO. Um, there are certain rooms with high-speed Wi-Fi access, printing facilities, dining credit, access to fitness centers. Um, so at all the city-based properties, that's something that they offer. And Marriott Bonvoy has over 2,000 hotels with workspaces and business facilities that are part of their Work Anywhere program. Malia Hotels International um, and even smaller hotels, um, not just the bigger hotel chains. So we'll link this article in the show notes so you guys can check out the list. But one of the things that I really enjoy reading about was how d- some digital nomads are choosing to go with RVs 
mm-hmm. they're traveling with RVs and they there's what's this company RV share a rental platform shows that nearly 61% of people agree that RVs make good workspaces. Hmm. That was actually a dream of mine. And then we decided it would be too hard on our marriage if we had to get real stressed out all the time about how to park it. <laughs> so we had to <laughs> let that dream go. <laughs> but also there's a lot of communities popping up. So they talk about this group called Wi-Fi Tribe. And mm-hmm. it's a community of more than 800 members from 60 plus countries. So they live and work together around the world. Like, So if you're solo and you're worried about safety or you just don't enjoy being alone all the time there are actually communities that you can join to hook up with other people do do it golden girl style i guess <laughs> or whatever <laughs> um but it's kind of like when people backpack across europe when they're young and they stay in hostels and they meet friends like that opportunity is still there and i think it's actually there for all ages at this point which is pretty fun because you know i'm an old lady you are not an old lady, <laughs> but <laughs> you do fit in with the younger generation. But there are just a lot of different communities out there and also Facebook groups, tons. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them you're going to find under expats, which I think these days most people are more digital nomads than quote unquote expats. But those are still right. good Google terms to look for mm-hmm. communities that are in different places. So I say go for it, obviously. I really, really want to. Like, I'm feeling the itch to go, but I have a dog, so it's going to be very tough. So maybe Gio and the dog stay home and you go for a month. <laughs> That'll work too. That'll work too. <laughs> um, one of the things this article touches on is how travel advisors can appeal to digital nomads. And the number one thing they say is logistics. Mm-hmm. A lot of digital nomads might need help with logistics, it's very different than a normal vacation. So, that's something you can consider as well. And they give details on how you can market to digital nomads. Um, I was just thinking if you were to do it for one month or several, you know, a few weeks, I know there's one advisor I've seen, she's been traveling for weeks at a time. If you, uh, if you tell your story through your channels, your newsletter, your social media stories, if you're interested if you're interested in that type of client, I feel like that's how you could really attract them. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you don't do it, you could still tell some stories and really promote that through those social media channels and marketing channels and attract that type of client. But I think you should do it and then, <laughs> and then go get them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like guys, this is so amazing. Uh, I worked all day and then I went to the pool and I just ordered room service Yeah, because I'm at an all-inclusive resort. I get questions all the time now from people, you know, like high school acquaintances that I'm Facebook friends with that are asking me all kinds of questions these days. And I already mm-hmm. get like, you're the Mexico expert. And I'm like, well, not yet. <laughs> but when people see you compared, do- compared to the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the people, you know, you are <laughs> right. Or even if you're just visiting a place where digital nomads are welcome, maybe you could do some sort of a co-working space tour or something like that mm-hmm. and show because uh, that could be lucrative considering the length of time people are there right what that kind of a trip could cost love it are we ready for some excess baggage oh yes 
Well, I'm exhausted and these babies are long winded today. So I'm going to do my best. (laughs) You got this, Corrine. (laughs) It's time for Excess Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory. So you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Age West, Crystal Cruises is planning a return to, to ocean operations on July 3rd, 2021, but not directly from the U.S. The luxury line will instead home port Crystal Serenity in the Bahamas through at least October and also resume sailings on board Symphony in Antigua and Barbuda on August 5th, 21. They also report that Apple Leisure Group recently announced the debut of Villas by ALG Vacations, a new product line powered by Villas of Distinction, a longtime partner of its travel impressions brand. The new offering features more than 2,500 villas and 50-plus destinations around the world, as well as an enhanced domestic portfolio for those who are more comfortable staying close to home right now. The collection is comprised of carefully vetted, professionally managed properties in a vast range of bedroom configurations to suit any size group. An article from Travel Weekly says that Kauai is offering discounts to visitors at island businesses in exchange for volunteering for an extra layer of COVID-19 safety measures. Visitors to the Garden Isle who agree to take a coronavirus test three days after their arrival will, will receive a discount card for use at a range of Kauai businesses. Another one from them says that effective May 8th, vaccinated travelers entering Barbados will benefit from a reduced quarantine after they arrive if they can provide a vaccination certificate from AstraZeneca, Moderna, Pfizer, or Johnson & Johnson vaccines. Travel Market Report says that Globus and Monograms will return to international travel operations in June for the first time in over a year as a result of improving travel conditions. International operations will open in Iceland, Costa Rica, and Ecuador with hopes of expanding travel opportunities and additional destinations throughout the summer months as more people are vaccinated and more borders open. Another headline from them reads, ASTA supports legal action for removing restrictions on cruise travel. On Thursday, Governor DeSantis announced that the state state of Florida had filed a lawsuit in federal district court against the Biden administration the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the CDC, citing what it calls an unlawful conditional sailing order that's prevented the cruise industry from restarting voyages from Florida ports. According to Travel Pulse, Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy has signed a bill urging the U.S. Congress to exempt cruise ships from the Passenger Vessel Services Act while Canadian ports are closed to cruise ships carrying more than 100 people. He also threatened to sue to lift the the conditional sale order issued by the CDC that blocks cruising through November. And last, a glimmer of hope from Recommend Magazine, Turkish Airlines has resumed its premium onboard dining and hot meal service on all business and economy class flights longer than two hours and 15 minutes. And that's it for Excess Baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news, we're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at thetinlounge.com. We will see you next week. Bye. Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.